I want to start by reading a bit of Psalm 78, where Israel reflects on the importance of reminding their children of the works of God, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. The psalmist then continues by retelling the story of Israel bit by bit through Egypt, rescued from slavery, wandering the desert, conquering the nations, and so on. And it's a common practice for the biblical authors and even just the Jesus movement in general. There's an importance even today about remembering the stories of God at work, of our rescue in Jesus, of the power and presence of his spirit, of the faithfulness of God throughout our own lives. And even throughout the history of our church here at Central Heights, where for over 70 years, God has shaped and empowered this community of people. Many of you have been following Jesus for longer than I've been alive. So, in all these things, we stop. We pause, and we remember that God has brought us through it all to this moment. That regardless of what else has happened, we are here today simply because God is faithful. We remember the work of God because it both anchors us and because it propels us. But the primary point of Psalm 78, which we just read, is that despite God's repeated faithfulness, Israel often took his mercy and grace and love for granted. That as he poured out blessing after blessing, after blessing, they would frequently pay him lip service and little more. See, the first eight verses speak of the longing to remember the story of God, to expectantly wait and even participate in God's transformation of generation after generation of people who don't yet know him. And even, I love this, to pray for future generations, to pray for people yet unborn, to plead with God that he would move in ways we might not even be alive to see. And then in verse 8 specifically, we humbly ask God to shift the cultural tide, to reverse the long-standing rebellion, to see a movement of love and faithfulness that radically alters the current trajectory of our world. And I'm there. I want that. But where the first eight verses yearn for the transformation of entire generations, the following 64 remind us that we ourselves have often been the obstacle to transformation and healing. That our rebellion, our apathy, our distractedness, and our sin has been the issue. Listen, we want to launch into 2022 with fresh and renewed vision, with an expectation for God to be at work. But if you'd let me be honest with you for a second, I kind of relate more to the last 64 verses than the first eight at least right now. Beginning the pandemic, I was swept up in hunger and yearning for the presence of God, dreaming about how he might take a season of chaos and confusion and despair and mold it into beauty and peace and life. But as the months went on, I found myself complacent. I didn't desperately anticipate the work of God. I wasn't breathing the air of creativity, reimagining the mission of God in our day. My impulse to care for those in need was supplanted by my personal need for comfort. In essence, I stopped positioning myself for God. My complacency overruled my commitment. 
As we launch into 2022, we want to reposition ourselves once again towards the burden we sense God has called us into as a church family. We long to see a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus, developing healthy churches for the glory of God and the flourishing of our city and the world. And we break that statement into five core pieces. Think about this statement with me. Expectation affects emphasis. Expectation affects emphasis. Looking at the vision statement of Central Heights Church, one of the first words that we see is the word movement. But let me, let me tell you something. When I think about this word movement, I'm honestly a bit cautious. Cynicism surfaces, like, is this realistic? Is this achievable? What do we even mean by this? Is movement just an organizational term to attempt to create some form of hype? Because I'm personally not super impressed about what's big. We've seen trends come and go, we've seen churches grow large, and we've seen churches with a wide reach but a shallow impact. I'm personally not very enthusiastic about becoming a movement for the sake of winning the best church ever award. However, what I do resonate with is the idea that there's something that God wants to do that's bigger than what I could ask or imagine. Look at Ephesians 3, which says these phrases as a concluding thought coming out of the Apostle Paul's prayer for this church. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As followers of Jesus, we believe that our Father in heaven is the God of immeasurably more. Restoration, renewal, lives changed, evidence of the Holy Spirit, the, the captivating and viral momentum of God's good future breaking into our present. And not for, not for our fame and not, not for that, but for His glory. Thinking of it that way, yeah, I'm here for that. That's something I could get on board with. But here's the thing, I'm convinced that we cannot get there outside of the priority and the practice of prayer. We only become a movement by the activity of God. It's his power we need to depend on. It's his presence we need to experience. It's his voice that we need to hear. And I'm currently quite inspired by the existing culture of prayer that we do have. Like my personal prayer rhythms have been amplified here in my time at Central Heights. People here have stirred me up to pray. There's faithful attendance to our prayer meetings. There's seniors praying for our staff and missionaries by name daily. There's students waking up early to go pray for their schools. And our prayer teams have this humble confidence to pray for the miraculous in our prayer ministry. So you might be thinking though, well, great, sounds like people are, are already doing it, but that's not really my thing. And I get that. But you know, I've always noticed that people are willing to jump in to support a cause when the need is visible and the actions are simple. So a flood causes destruction and a community mobilizes to meet the needs. Well, the need is here. And no movement in the history of the church ever happened without prayer. So in a time where activism is celebrated, this is an action we can take. For the greatest cause to be joined, for things to increasingly happen, as Jesus taught in Matthew 6, on earth as in heaven, it's only going to come through committed, regular, 
and powerful prayer. So what would it take to make this an increased emphasis in our routine and in our church? I think it's going to require seeing prayer as a must. Momentum, movement, it, it comes from the must. For us to emphasize at our core, I have to pray. But the weird thing about language is that tone and pace can affect emphasis, which can change the meaning of a phrase. So for example, if I were to take this phrase and read it one way, the coffee is good. Well, it communicates one thing, doesn't it? But if I were to shift things around and change the emphasis to say, this coffee is good, well, that tells you something else entirely, doesn't it? Same words, different emphasis. Now let's try it with a different phrase. If we were to start like I often do, I have to pray. But then take those same words and change the emphasis to, I have to pray. Uh, that changes things to be quite different, doesn't it? To move from, I have to, to, I have to, well, that is driven by our expectation. Do we expect that God can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And if I say yes to that, I should consider what I'm asking of God. This year, imagine what it would look like if our expectation looked like Ephesians 3 and our emphasis looked like Colossians 4, to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Why are more followers of Jesus important to me? More followers of Jesus is the heartbeat of our powerful living God. As people, we are all making decisions about our lives. Who will we follow? What will we do? Where will we go? Believing and knowing the biblical truths of John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. I believe this, for God saved me through Jesus' act of obedience and love. I made a decision. I'm a follower of Jesus. This was the best decision of my life, and it affects what I will do and where I will go and who I am. I belong to the family of God. I have an eternal inheritance, and I have a mission that God has given to me, his child, to you, his children. I want to live a life that follows and knows the heart of God cares about what he cares about, understands and responds to the spiritual needs of mankind. God wants more followers of Jesus, more people reconciled to himself, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5. He longs for this so much that he sacrificed his son, gave us his Holy Spirit, and showed us how to live. He is all about more people joining his family, knowing his love, being rescued from darkness. Why does my heart long for more followers of Jesus? Because God's love and gift of salvation changed me. His love is powerful and we need to know it and share it. This is a broken world. Many are living unaware of being separated from God and they, they don't know that they have a choice to know him. First John reminds us, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. We love each other because he loved us first. And then the challenge. For if we don't love people we can see, and we see people everywhere we go, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? 1 John 4.
We are loving people and longing for more in our reaches into the church community as we step out into our city and world, bringing hope to marriages, families, singles, and caring about wholeness and health in relationships. In this church, we choose to model belonging through groups that teach God's word and demonstrate love. Stepping into areas of darkness physically, by walking alongside people and in prayer, carrying the light of Jesus and love of God. We open our doors and we extend grace, mercy, truth, and love in a variety of the programs that are offered here at this church. And it's based on a motive of helping people know God. All of these programs are open doors which say, God loves you and you are welcome here. Our church garden, which is visible and inviting in our community, and the many places of serving and partnering that we do in various ministries with our community services, we want to encourage, empower, and build relationships. Build intentional bridges of truth and grace that invite more people to respond to the gospel as our living God urges us on. I am deeply burdened for the souls of the people in my city, world, and my neighborhood. O oh Lord, show your mercy and continue to raise up your church to share Jesus in word and action. Holy Spirit, move. Here at Central Heights, we want to be a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus. Take a moment with me to consider the word growing. When we invite Jesus into our hearts and become Christians, we enter into a relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's this active two-way relationship that causes us to grow. We are called to become more like Jesus and with the Holy Spirit's guidance and help, we can mature and grow in our faith. Growing in our faith is something God longs for us all to do. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 26, we read, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever, amen. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord for God's glory, for his kingdom to grow and shine in a world that desperately needs him. So what does growth look like? Well, I'd like to think we'd see our relationships within the body thrive, where we are authentic with one another and are willing to hold each other accountable where relationships with one another are not surface level, but there's a hunger to really dive deep with one another, learn from one another, and continually point each other to our Savior. We wanna be a body that are wise stewards of our time, our resources, and the way we serve our city and the world. We wanna see an increased desire to join others in threes and fours, community groups, men's and women's Bible studies, where we gather together to learn and grow together as the body. I'm excited to hear from Pastor David that we keep getting inquiries from individuals wanting to plug into community groups. I'm excited to see so many men's and women's groups find ways both online and in person to gather and continue to build into one another even throughout a very challenging season this past year. These are beautiful examples of growing in our church. One of the ways I have seen this desire for growth in kids ministry this fall is within our WE College program. This is a program for kids as young as four years old to memorize scripture passages together, to learn from God's word, and help them understand that God's word is just as alive and real for them at their young age as it is for us grownups. This is our first year running this program, and I am so excited to walk alongside these kids and families over the next few years and help these young kids' faith grow. 
What a privilege it is to walk alongside others as we learn from one another and grow together. My prayer for these little ones and for us as a church as we grow comes from Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. May we be a church that longs to grow in our faith. Growing up, my memories of the church was that it felt like it was missing something that deep down I needed and even wanted, but I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't experiencing it, I wasn't feeling it. And I think my view of God was shaped by that, that he was out there, but he wasn't compelling enough to follow because what I experienced at church didn't show me anything different. And that's the thing about the community of God's people called the church, that it can be a place that helps people who are searching encounter the one who is the ultimate answer to all the questions they're asking. Or it can be a place that doesn't do that. It can be a place that makes room for the power of God through his Holy Spirit to do what only he can do, extraordinary things, life-changing things. Or it can be a place that's closed off to that. It can be a place full of people hungry to pray, hungry to see God move and commit to doing that regularly. Or it can be a place that relies on something else like slick presentation and professional production to do what prayer is meant to accomplish. It can be a place that makes room for people who are hurting or struggling or who have questions and loves them through that. Or it can be a place that expects everyone to have it together or at least pretend that they do. It can be a place of radical generosity where people give beyond what is expected, beyond what we could ever imagine to help those who are in great need. Or it can be a place that prefers to give just a little or not at all. It can be a place that values family and marriages and multiplying leaders and groups and churches. Or it can be a place that doesn't do any of that. And the question I have is, what kind of place do we want to be, Central Heights? What kind of church do you want to be a part of? And the answer to that question is easy for me. I want this church to be a place of God's presence where people can come and encounter Jesus. I want this to be a place where God's power is alive and active and people leave differently every time they come because of it. I want this to be a place of prayer, a place where we'd be a people who prioritize getting on our knees in prayer, both on a corporate level and on a personal level. I want this to be a place for all people, the lost, the hurting, the not okay, the searching, the skeptic, the convinced, the faithful, the hungry, the hopeless, and the hopeful. All together, as one, united, each one more than just welcomed, but actually loved. This is the kind of church I see emerging here, and this is the kind of church I'm asking God to help us become. Because people are looking for God, even though they may not know it. And people are desperate for loving community. And what if, Central Heights, we were that kind of church? That we were the kind of church where people like me can find what they are searching for but can't find anywhere else? What if we weren't just another church in this city, but a church that was known for how much it loves Jesus, how much it loves one another, and how much it loves this city and the people who live in it? What if we were that kind of church? What if that 
was true of us. So why is the flourishing of our city and world important to me? Well, because it says in the Bible that it should be, right? Doesn't it? Well, I spent a bunch of time searching for that one text that kind of says it all. You know, my flourishing proof text. Couldn't really find one. Instead, what I found is that God's desire for the flourishing of our city and world is actually woven throughout Scripture. Genesis 12, when God first called Abram, it says, Go from your country and kindred and your father's house to go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The principle? God's people were blessed to be a blessing. Then in the book of Jeremiah, when the people of Israel were exiled in Babylon, at a time when the people could have easily withdrawn, pulled back, God challenges them to do the opposite. Dive in. He says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Jeremiah 29, 7. The point, as we seek the flourishing of our city and world, we also flourish. But ultimately, I think the flourishing of others matters to me because it's an appropriate response to what God has done for us. 1 John 4, verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. It's an act of worship. God was practical in his love for me, and I can respond to that love by being practical in my love for others. I get to partner with him in expressing to others by what I say and what I do. These words, you are loved, you're valuable, you were made in God's image, your life matters. You know, I already see this happening lots of places at Central Heights, in the Women's Center, in our food distribution, through the food bank, through the Starfish Backpack Program, through the Breakfast at Jackson, through the various missionaries that we support, through the aid and assistance offerings that we take monthly, through the way many have stepped up to donate and volunteer time to help with the flood relief. And yeah, it's costly. I mean, the youth have had to make the sacrifice of fusion, giving up their youth room, so we can provide a home for 15 people every evening. And some of you have provided meals for those very precious people. And many of us have had to work through the discomfort of making room for people we think aren't like us and whose circumstances are different than ours. Precious people with potential, image bearers of the same God that we love and serve. But the reality is, no matter what, worship may be costly. In fact, it probably is costly but it's so worth it. So what about going forward? Sometimes we can get overwhelmed with the huge needs in our city, or even more so the needs of our world. So let's just break it down into smaller pieces. Let's not wait for the church to put something on. You are the church. Check your network. Simple prayer. Jesus, who is in my circle that I can love practically? Or maybe for you, it might mean stretching your network a little bit. This prayer, Jesus, is there someone outside of my circle you want me to love practically? Or maybe simply ask Jesus this question, what have you given me that I can invest? 
coach, foster, serve breakfast? Can I buy a coffee, help someone move or provide other resources? Can I listen? Can I play? Can I drive, babysit, mentor, clean up after someone, throw a block party? How about encourage a coworker? You see, I think there are many possibilities that we just haven't discovered yet. The question is, are we willing to explore those possibilities to be the church for the flourishing of our city and our world? Today, you've had the opportunity to hear from some of our leaders at Central Heights talk about different components of our vision statement. In the business world, vision is the fuel to rally the troops, provide clarity, motivate the team. And I suppose these things could be true of the church and its stated vision, but there should be something significantly different here, its source. For the church, vision isn't something we conjure up or determine by marketplace. It's given by God. It's a revelation. Really, the terms you've heard today of movement, more growing followers, healthy churches, flourishing of our city and the world are summary statements of the most basic and important callings of Scripture. God's Word speaking to us of the kingdom of God, the, the great commandments of God, and His great commission. Painting a picture for us of His preferred future, what He wants for our world. I read the Bible and I think, how could I not want to be part of something greater that God wants to do, a movement? How could I not want to see people come to faith in Jesus? I mean, apart from Christ, every one of us is separated from a relationship with God on a trajectory towards an eternity without hope. How could I not want to grow in my relationship with Jesus and help others to do the same when to know him is to really know life and life eternal? And God's church, I mean, I read the Bible and I see that the family of God known as the church is the very thing that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. The church is Jesus' strategy to reach the world. If I was to sit down with you and share with you something that I wouldn't want you to miss in your life, like a legacy of thought that I would want to leave ringing in your ears, it is this. Follow Jesus with the church. Look, I, I, I don't care so much which Jesus preaching church, but that you do it, that you follow Jesus with the church. You weren't meant to do life alone. You will be better, and the church that Jesus has called, its impact would be so much greater if each of us would put our roots down and be a committed, contributing part of the local church. When we all come together, contributing the part that God has given to us for the whole, that we should play the music we were meant to play, align with the team we are called to be part of, be the temple God shapes us to be, the dwelling place of God, whereby the Holy Spirit, in answer to prayer, a movement happens, people are saved, and people grow into multipliers of health, impacting our societies, our city, and our world for good, and God's glory. Christianity is a faith movement. Jesus said, follow me. And we position and we participate by saying yes with our actions. Follow me. Hear it as a personal invitation today. You alone can answer that, but don't hear it alone. Follow Jesus with the church. One yes at a time. 
Yes. I'm here for it. Let's go. Yes. I'm in. Yes. Imagine what could happen. <laughs>